thanks for listening to Hope Signals. This is your host, Mark Mason. This is a ministry of Life on the Verge Ministries. You can learn more about Life on the Verge at lifeontheverge.com. I've got some news for you. It's not necessarily good news, but it's news. And that is that you never have to change the oil in your car again. Boy, wouldn't that be a blessing. You never, you you don't. I, I mean, no one's going to show up at your front door and make you change the oil in your car. You don't have to do it. Um, of course, don't be surprised when your car blows up and doesn't live as long as you had hoped for it to. Um, the point being that if we want our vehicles to last longer, we'd better go back to the manual and follow the maintenance schedule, right? I've used that illustration in prison many times. A few years ago, I got up in front of a crowd of people, and I, I inmates, and I gave our testimony and how Susan and I were living together, and we weren't married, and we came to Jesus, and I made the decision that either I've got to marry this girl or we've got to separate. We can't keep living together. The Bible calls that fornication. Now, I was saved, don't get me wrong, um, but I knew that if I wanted the best out of this relationship, I'd better go back to the manual and do it God's way. Well, I, I didn't share the manual story with the guys. I just said, that's called fornication, to live with somebody before you're married to them. And boy, they looked at me like a deer in the headlights, like that was the f- most foreign thing they'd ever heard. It was such an awkward moment, and it reminded me of just how biblically illiterate uh, our world has become, in part to Hollywood, the entertainment industry, we can't deny that, who is the constant ongoing advertisement for what is moral, what is acceptable socially or in society and not. And so years ago, that became the norm. You know, back in the Dick Van Dyke days, Dick Van Dyke and his wife, uh, what was it, Laura, they slept in separate beds. You know, it, it, they didn't want to cross that line, but now they've gone way past that line. And they just constantly advertise, this is what successful life looks like. Well, we know, if we know the Bible, that a lot of that is just blatant lying. It's appealing to the flesh of man. So I began using the oil change illustration, and that goes off a little better. So we're talking about more. We're talking about the key to the abundant life that Jesus promised in John 10.10. I've come to give you abundant life. That's life and more life. And... uh, so what does that look like? You know, some of us need more joy. Some of us need more money, to be frank. Some of us need more peace. We need more energy. What is the key to more? Now, a lot of this was uh, inspired by Matthew McConaughey's new uh, course, Road Trip, which was part of this seminar I mentioned in episode one called Art of Living. It reminded me of how great some of that self-help material can be if we run it through the lens of the Bible. That's the thing, is that much of that stuff, now Matthew's supposed to be a Christian, and I'm not going to judge him, he says he's a Christian, okay. Uh, I think Tony Robbins as well, some of those guys. But often when they share biblical, or, or they share principles that can be even biblical principles, when they refer to God, they talk about, well, whatever your higher power is. Well, I'm going to be a whole lot more overt about that. Jesus is the one that promised abundant life. Jesus is the center of all things for the Christian. He is the son of the living God. He is the one that gave his life for our sins to connect us back to our creator, our father, uh, made things right, peace between us and God. So to have true abundant life, I don't believe that it is achievable without Jesus. You can acquire a lot of money, a lot of success, a lot of things of this world, but without Jesus, what should it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul, Jesus said. And so we're taking a very 
overtly biblical look at how to get more in life. And we should desire more, by the way. You know, Scripture says that the path of the righteous winds upward. It tells us that uh, in the Proverbs. There's a couple of Proverbs. It's, well, the the uh, Proverbs 4.18 says, The path of the righteous is like the morning sun shining ever brighter till the light of the full day. We know that God delights in the prosperity of his saints. It says in Psalm 35, 7, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. You've heard me talk about uh, the problem with the way that we define prosperity is the issue. We narrow that down to money. You know, some preachers take it and prosperity means you have a Mercedes in the driveway, a big house and a, a Rolex on your arm. Um, Man, that's a very narrow definition of prosperity. You can have all the money in the world and be the most miserable person in the world. We know that. So the Old Testament word for prosperity used in that scripture I just read means completeness, soundness, welfare, peace, completeness, a well-rounded life. You've heard my series, Living Life in Tune. You know, there's more than just the financial part of our life. What good is it to have a lot of money in the bank and have a miserable home life? And so... Uh, when we look at the New Testament, probably one of the most abused scriptures uh, in the whole Bible by what some refer to as the prosperity preachers uh, is found in 3 John where it says, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health. That word is not just money. It means a successful journey. And so when we talk about the abundant life, you know, sometimes we, we have plenty of money in the bank, but we lack peace. Sometimes we have plenty of peace, but we do need more money. Well, what is a biblical approach to more? Now, I'm not here to indict anybody in that self-help world, by the way. You know, that stuff can be very, very valuable stuff if we run it through the lens of Scripture, through through the filter of Scripture. Um, you know, matter of fact, sometimes I, I've, got to, I've got to look at that stuff, and almost in my... This may sound weird, but I've got to pretend that God is not there. God's not going to come through. I know he will. I know he is. Um, this is, I guess, hyperbole, I guess. Um, but the reason being is because we can see God move so much in our life, you know, just miracles, that we lean on that too heavily. We expect God to do a lot of things that he expects us to do. We are to cooperate with God. There are, there's a lot of if-then in the Bible. If we will do this, then God will do this, because God wants an ongoing relationship with us. Saint Ignatius said that something along the lines of pray as if everything depends on God and work as if everything depends on you. Um, he went on, he said, this is a quote from one of his writings, Saint Ignatius was a guy from a long, long time ago. He said, there is no need to wear yourself out, but make a competent and sufficient effort to, and leave the rest to him who can do all he pleases. And so we have a role to play. And what is that role? What are the things that we can do? What does God expect us to do in order to acquire more of what we need in our life at any given season? And the first thing that we talked about was gratitude, was being thankful. And that might seem like a no-brainer. We might think, well, of course I'm thankful. 
but it's so, so easy to slip into murmuring. I mentioned that. You know, not really an outright complaint, but just a bad attitude of, you know, a, a half-hearted kind of uh, toned-down complaint. Well, God is not pleased with that at all either, and the great antidote for that is to intentionally thank Him, whether in writing, whether in singing, or speaking it out loud, specifically for the things that He has done, the things he is doing, and the things he has promised to do in your life. By the way, i got a friend named Clint Byers who's donated many books to the Good Infection Project. He has a book called 3,000 Promises or 3,000 Things God Says Yes To, something like that. If you search Clint Byers on Amazon, you can find that book. But God has promised so many great and precious promises, and we need to thank him for those and stand on them. Let me, let me uh, give this disclaimer. I'm in the RV in Wildwood, Florida, not far from Interstate 75, and so you may hear all manner. Of, there's a bike event going on, so there's Harleys rolling around here. Um, you may hear all manner of noise, so I apologize for that, but I wanted to get this out there. Uh, let's go back to, I know that God wants us to enjoy abundant life. What is our role in that? And I said gratitude. Now, I, I found this clip online the other day that reminded me of how easy it is to not give God the thanks that he expects. And this might sound like I'm getting political. I'm not getting political because, I'm, I, well, maybe I am. But uh, this is from Charlie Kirk. Those that know who Charlie Kirk is, he founded Turning Point USA. He's a very outspoken uh, right-wing political guy, and uh, he'll just say some pretty bombastic things sometimes, and so it's not a, a blanket endorsement for Charlie at all. I just was scrolling through my Instagram, and I ran across this clip, and I went, man, he, he makes a good point here. So listen to how easy it is for us to not give thanks for the work that he is doing in our country, for example. I got asked a question the other day. They said, Charlie, you know, when is God going to make a move in this country? When is he going to intervene? I said, oh, he has, and he did. We just don't notice it or celebrate it. Right. 40 years, I was, for 40 years, America was told Roe versus Wade was law, untouchable. My entire life, I was told Roe versus Wade would never be repealed. Don't even think about it. Don't even waste your prayers on it. Don't even whisper it. Don't even, like, even get near it. But because of a surprise election of a billionaire man coming down an escalator, Winning an election he wasn't supposed to win. And Amy Coney Barrett, Neil Gorsuch, and Brett Kavanaugh doing the right thing. We reversed it, but you could just imagine God from the heavens. Yeah. Okay. Babies are going to, lives are going to be saved, and 95% of my churches don't even say thank you. Wow. And we want God to do more in our country? Yeah. 95% of pastors said, yeah, God, no thanks. I'm not interested. Stop supporting those churches. Leave them. Confront them and say, either you're going to start to be a man of God or I'm leaving and I'm going to make sure that other people leave as well. This is not the time for the vanilla middle. This is not a time for the people that say, I only preach the gospel. Yeah, you know, Jesus loved children too. So why don't you talk about children being perverted by drag queen story hour? Yeah. I only preach the gospel. You think Jesus would put up with that? Okay, I'm not trying to get political. Charlie just made a good point. Have we stopped and really given thanks to God that it's no longer a federal right for people to just go get abortions for any reason whatsoever? 
have we thanked God that that's at least been turned back over to the states to make those decisions, uh, that millions of babies could be saved? I find it very hard to believe that a believer can say it's okay in any circumstance to abort a baby. When we look at Jeremiah 1, that says, to, God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. In Psalm 30, 139, David said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God knit me together in my mother's womb, and I'm probably going off in the wrong direction. But the point being is, wow, you know, I have to think, you know, I, I know where our church stands, but it's almost like maybe maybe we're just too scared of what the, you know, political opponents are going to say to not thank God that who knows? Billions of prayers have been lifted up on behalf of the unborn, and God does this thing. Have we truly thanked God that that He heard that prayer? You know, uh, let's pause right here. And if your mind is going in a political direction, let's stop that and get back to the key to abundance and more, and or keys to abundance and more, the abundant life that Jesus promised. Let's get back to the point of the podcast is that God wants us to have more and a key to that is gratitude and yes I slipped a little mm, pseudo political but I believe spiritual blurb in there uh, how easy it is to overlook the things that God has done the things that God is doing and the things that God has promised to do in our lives we have to remind that's for us by the way to remind ourselves it's not that god's ego needs us thanking him all the time it's so that we are constantly reminded of his faithfulness you've heard me mention journaling many times i've got to go back to my journals and read where god brought me through a season where god brought miracles it's so easy to overlook it and you know let's get to the singing part guys men especially uh, you know, I look and I watch men in church. Sometimes I sit in the balcony at our church, and and men are far less likely to lift their hands to the Lord or to sing. And you know, it may be, oh, I just don't like this style of music. It's not in a key I like. You know, that's not the point. The point is to lift our hearts and lift our voice to the Lord. If you can only get one or two words of the song in, is to somehow say, this is my act of gratitude to you, Lord, is to worship you, is to praise you, is to thank you. And uh, that's why God gave us one day a week to focus on those very things, to get some learning, get some instruction in the Word, but to give thanks for what He's already done. Did He bring you through a new uh, uh, another week? Did He provide food for your table, a roof over your head, a car to drive? Are you not in the hospital? So, I'm belaboring the point. The second key seems almost as basic, but is also easy to just put on automatic and overlook, and that is generosity. The principle of sowing and reaping is found throughout Scripture. The problem is sometimes we only reduce this, or we reduce this to only money. It's not just about money. Sometimes we do need more money. Sometimes we need more peace. We need more joy. We need more opportunity. We need more energy. And, and so what do you need? Well, you need to sow that. I tell inmates all the time, we sing a song called Mercy. And I said, how many of you guys need mercy? You sure needed mercy when you stood in front of that judge. Well, if you need mercy, then the best way to get mercy is to sow mercy, show mercy to other people. And when it comes to money, Jesus did talk a lot about money. And, and we better constantly be revisiting those 
and not just like put our tithe on automatic withdrawal and say, I'm doing my duty and forget about it. Um, Jesus was trying to tug at our hearts. He said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. He knew that, you know, our true values are reflected in how we spend our money. And so we should be abiding by the principles of tithes and offerings when it comes to money. Sometimes we worry about the integrity of the church or the ministry. Or we question how they spend their money. Well, churches are not perfect with how they spend their money and neither are you. Okay. Uh, but it is, you know, is the heart there? And yeah, I, I used to give the uh, example of the widow's mite. You know, the widow gave her two mites in the offering plate and Jesus made a point of recognizing her in front of everybody and here we are a couple thousand years later talking about how Jesus commended this woman for giving all she had to live on but what we forget is that that happened in the synagogue among the very Pharisees that Jesus was standing there rebuking and I used to say well she put her money in the crooked Pharisees offering plate but God looked at her heart of generosity. You know, we shouldn't knowingly give to ministries who lack integrity and you know ethical um, financial practices. But uh, nobody's going to be perfect, and so don't sit back and just judge exactly how you know every penny is spent. I'm not going to give until they start spending their money. God's looking at her heart. Are we generous? Are we doing something? And uh, you know, we 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 you know we should definitely be. Uh, what I want to say, we should be careful, but we we shouldn't soak up the word of the preach, you know, soak up the preaching and the teaching uh, of God's preachers and teachers like a freeloader. First Corinthians nine fourteen says, in the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. First Timothy five seventeen, the elders who direct the affairs of the church are well worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. That word honor in the Greek, by the way, means honor, like we commonly know it. It means price. It means money. Strong's concordance means money paid. So I've heard it taught that the elders who direct the affairs of the church are well worthy of double honor pay. We should take care of those that regularly teach us uh, the Word of God. In 3 John 1, verse 5, I, I love this scripture. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation because I love the way that he uses the term traveling preachers. It says, dear friend, in verse 5, dear friend, you are being faithful to God when you care for traveling teachers who pass through even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church here of your loving friendship. Please continue providing for such teachers in a manner that pleases God, for they are traveling for the Lord and they accept nothing from people who are not believers. So we ourselves should support them so that we can be their partners as they teach truth. Listen, the world is not going to give to your local church or to missionaries. We are to take care of that. And you know, the other day uh, I saw this guy in the traveling or in the uh, mobile home park we're at, no, the RV park we're at. Uh, he had a hauling trailer like you put behind an RV, and it was as tall as the RV, and this was a really tall, class A, big old, high buck um, RV. The trailer was massive, and it was as tall as the RV. I don't think I've ever saw that. I thought, what in the world has he got in there? You know, some people do tow their car in a trailer, and so then the, the next day, I think it was, I went by and the trailer was open. Well, he had a car pulled in on level floor, level one, and then there was a lift and he had his Harley on top of that. 
I got no problem with that. That's awesome. You got a Harley? Fantastic. You like to golf and spend a fortune on it? Fantastic. Whatever your hobby is, God gives us all things for our enjoyment. But, it, and I'm not judging this man, it just made me think, you know, um, I know that my real values are reflected in how I spend my money. And I look at, you know, how much money people spend on their pleasures and on worldly pleasures and hobbies and, you know, selfish pursuits and that kind of thing. And I ask myself, it makes me judge myself. All right. I, I enjoy a good meal. I enjoy eating at a nice restaurant. I enjoy uh, having a nice vehicle. I enjoy nice guitars and recording equipment and all that stuff. But am I, am I being generous? Am I giving? Am I being generous? Not just with my finances, because we can sometimes narrow it down to that. It's also about sharing our lives with other people. In 1 Thessalonians 2.8, Paul said, We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our very lives as well. And I think about the wonderful people, friends, and mentors that have shared and continue to share their life with me. It's so much more valuable than money. Yesterday, we had the opportunity to go to Mount Dora, Florida, about 45 minutes from where we are, and spend time with one of my, um, I guess, uh, top mentors in life for the last uh, dozen years, and that's Tony and Marianne Loeffler. Uh, Tony and Marianne lead International Solid Rock, and uh, they started the church behind bars. Uh, now it's his son-in-law, Chip Nelson, who's the head of it. But they founded it and, and been in ministry for 52 years doing this. And he pretty much took me under his wing about a dozen years ago and showed me the ropes and continues to pour his life into me. They invited us. They're celebrating their 55th wedding anniversary uh, in Mount Dora. And they invited us to come spend the day with them. Part of this precious time they gave to us. We took a nice boat ride across Mount Dora. We had a nice meal together, walked the town square. We took a, a long walk on a nature trail, spent most of the day together just spending time. He could have wrote me a check for $5,000, and that would have been nice, but nowhere near as valuable as his time and sharing his life with me. Just the thought that he chose to do that, whether I walked away with three new tidbits on how to do ministry better or not, the fact that he shared his life and showed me value, that's so important. I want to emulate that, and I hope you do too. Think about the people that you admire that have shared their life with you. It could be your father. It could be a pastor. It could be a friend. Uh, uh, people that have shared their life with you, look at that and say, that's something I want to emulate. You know, Paul said, told people to, to imitate him as he imitated Christ. And so I sat down in my journal today and I thought about some of the people that God has caused to cross my path, just divine intersections, and said, what are a few of the qualities I really admire and want to emulate about their life? And one of those was the generosity that they showed me by sharing their time with me. And so we want to be those kind of people. If we want to have abundant life, you know, there was a time in my life when I was a police officer and I was had an hour commute, court time, rotating schedules. I had a young family, a ton of debt. We bought our first house. And it seemed like I had not one second of extra time to do anything. But somehow by faith, I began to serve the youth group in my local church. You've heard that story if you've listened to podcasts very long. Well, little did I know, I only had two fish and five loaves, but if I would give that to God, he would cause abundant life to happen. So I had more energy than I realized, more impact than I knew. If by faith, I would take what I had and go ahead and, and, and give it to God. And, and so I was 
working with the youth group in my extra time, which I had none of, turned out I did, as I by faith gave little little bits to Jesus, he made more time. I look back and think, how in the world did I do all that I did? I studied for the ministry. I mentored kids. I led the worship team. There were two young men that I mentored that really took a lot more time than others. And they, that, those boys were Mark and Tony. Now, they're both in their 40s today, I guess, but they were teenagers back then. And I would give them rides home from worship practice, and you know, I just poured advice and, and you know my life experience. They were seeking their way in life. They were in high school, and I would do the best that I could to share my life with them. And every now and then, I'd come home from work, and I'd be just utterly exhausted, ready to pass out on the couch, and the phone would ring. Not too many people would call me back in those days. I had a, We didn't have caller ID. I knew that if I picked up that phone, it might lead to a long conversation with Mark or Tony, who frequently called me. And it, it, it would inevitably be one of them, and I would be on the phone for an hour. And you know what? I'd get off the phone, and I'd be more energized <coughs> because I'd shared my life. I, I was experiencing abundant life, more than I thought I had in me. And you know, to this day, here we are, I don't know, 30 years later, that family, uh, Mark's parents, they have supported our every endeavor. From back in those days to albums we recorded, they support our ministry monthly now. Excuse me. <coughs> um, Tony, not so great, a whole other story. Not, every, not everybody you share your life with is, is uh, you know, going to follow your advice. Uh, Tony made some grand mistakes in life, and I love him. Uh, but the point being is that if you feel like you don't have enough time, maybe you should share what little bit of time you have with other people helping them. You know, when I think about this this idea of sharing time you think you don't have, energy you think you don't have, it's always going to be by faith. But I can't think of a better example of someone who is experiencing abundant life even in the face of the most adverse circumstances you can imagine and one day i hope to inter actually interview this man on my podcast uh that is stephen king i'll mention him by name stephen king i met him on a stage in sturgis uh at least 10 years ago maybe 11 or 12 and we've become friends, and Stephen ministers with music uh, on Indian reservations. He has a burden for Native Americans. Uh, he ministers at the biker rallies. He most recently ministered at Parchman, the prison in Mississippi. Uh, not with us, but we connected him. He went and did, I think, three days of ministry on his own. He did two days of ministry on his own, and then he stayed back to work sound for another ministry, something like that. Anyway, such a generous man, giving his time to those that are less fortunate. Well, behind the scenes, Stephen and his dear wife, Stacy, have two boys. One of them was 16 years old. This boy is now in his 30s. So this uh, situation I'm going to explain to you has been going on for a long time. He's 16 years old. He's a normal young man. He's, I think he just got his driver's license, Stephen told me. I, I just had breakfast with Stephen a couple of weeks ago. He passed through Florida, and he made time for me. And I wanted to learn more about this story. I knew kind of bits and pieces from Facebook posts and things he said, but I wanted to hear the whole story. Well, and coincidentally, Stephen just finished a book. And when, when I mean, in the middle of all of it, he wrote a book to help other people. And I, I want to share that with you guys when it's done. Like I said, maybe even have him on the podcast. 
But but Stephen is not a full time quote musicianary, a full time minister. Stephen is a he's an engineer, an IT guy, a scientist, a mathematician. He works for a huge electrical construction company that does work all over the country, and he is their number one IT guy. For he travels all over the place fixing their computer and IT issues. A very demanding job, yet somehow. In the face of the circumstance I'm getting ready to explain to you and all of his work, he found a way to share his life with other people, and as a result, God has given him more life. Well, one of his sons was 16 years old, about 15, 20 years ago, I guess, and uh, just got his driver's license, and then start, I forget what the issue was, I can't remember exactly, but something caused them to go to the doctor. He was having some problems, and... Uh, they did a diagnosis. They found out that this young man had a brain tumor. Well, it was all downhill from there, and it went very quickly. This young man, uh, who was 16 at the time when he was diagnosed, spent uh, I don't know how many surgeries and attempts to stop this brain tumor from growing, but he went from being a 16-year-old normal young man to somebody now who I think Stephen said he will not progress beyond the mentality of a 12 or 13-year-old. Uh, the part of his brain that is a part of our brain that's supposed to tell you you're full when you've eaten sometimes doesn't work because of the pressure this tumor puts on his brain, and so they have to put locks on their refrigerators. They have to hide their snacks. You know, because he doesn't know to stop eating. He, he would literally eat himself to death. He goes through antagon, I mean, agonizing pain, screams in the night because of the pressure this tumor puts on his brain. He's on treatments and medications like you can't imagine. In the midst of all of this, Stephen lost his father to Lou Gehrig's disease, a terrible, terrible disease. And, and I, I think it was his mother or his wife's mother to Alzheimer's. In the midst of just what seemed to be insurmountable odds, he, he not only has survived it, but has managed to thrive and give his life away. People don't realize when he's on that platform sharing his music and sharing his story, the, the, the faith it takes and how he has come to learn that the key to more energy uh, more uh, ability to deal with these negative circumstances comes from giving away what he has, generosity. So I want to encourage you, you need more, uh, you need more peace, you need more joy, you need more abundance. Well, first be thankful for all that in a perpetual way, thankful for all God has done, all God is doing and has promised to do in your life. And then ask yourself, am I being generous with my money, with my time, the, the two most valuable things we have? Uh, am I giving myself away? The best and God doesn't say give all your money. The tithe is a principle, tithes and offerings above your tithe. It's a principle that we should look at and say, well, I should at least do this. And, uh, and then when it comes to our time, that's really a, a Holy Spirit thing. Like who's in your world? Who needs it? Where can you offer it? Where can you serve? It, it doesn't mean that you got to go do big events in Sturgis or Native American reservations. Or no, it could be directing traffic in the parking lot at church. You know, but you're somehow sharing your life with other people. If you have the opportunity to mentor, which coincidentally, when you do that, you know, when you share your life 
in a role like you know uh, maybe directing traffic in church you find that I, I was serving on the worship team partly for my own gratification, which led to relationships and the opportunity to mentor and to share with others. Sometimes the time to share your life or your finances with, with others is when you feel like you don't have enough because it's going to take faith. So I want to encourage you as you go into your week, look for those opera. First off, begin with Thanksgiving every day. I'm preaching to myself, folks. And uh, then look for opportunities. How can I share my life? How can I share my finances with those that preach and teach the Word of God? Those that are my hands and feet in places I can't go. And many of you already do that, I know. Uh, but always be examining that. Don't put it on autopilot. Because about the time you think, well, I'm doing my duty, God may challenge you to step it up. You know what I'm saying? And so I pray that you've been encouraged by this. We'll get to... Part three, soon enough. I pray God gives you that abundant life as you walk according to His word. Bless you. Sometimes falling angels fly. Just a reminder that Life on the Verge is a debt-free, fully donor-funded 501c3. All your gifts are tax-deductible, and we appreciate them. You can find out more at Life on the Verge. Make your donation there, or you can find the address to mail your gift to. Thanks again for listening. We appreciate you so much. God bless.